Hi there, and welcome to another episode of African Business Stories, your insight into female innovators and entrepreneurs building and running businesses in Africa. I'm Akego Koye, and on the show today, I will be chatting with Ifoma Idibwe, founder and CEO of Boys to Men Foundation, also founding member and trustee of the women's business organization, WIMBIS. We're having this conversation in the shadow of the current campaign to end violence against women in Nigeria. I must tell you, it is a deep and thought-provoking conversation about how we raise whole boys and whole girls in order to achieve gender parity. Let's get into it. I read that your dad wanted you to be a doctor. <laughs> oh dear, my, my, I was born in, a, in the age when parents tried to have an influence on what you did. And my father mm. felt that I was the child who could be a medical doctor. Um, sadly, mm. I didn't agree with that because the problem was that I was an all-rounder in many ways. I could do the sciences, I could do the arts. And so he just right. thought, oh, um, you be the doctor. But um, mm. after my first degree, I said to him that all I wanted to do was a master's in business um, administration and that I didn't really want to be a medical doctor, being a bit squeamish. Um, I think at mm. that point, he didn't really have a choice but to accept. So you then went on to do your MBA and, and then you did another master's degree. Was that straight after or? When I did, when I finished my master's in business, I was employed by IMB, um, which is an affiliate of the First National Bank of Chicago at the time. And it was one of the few merchant banks in Nigeria. And I was um, appointed into a position in corporate finance. In fact, I was the first woman to be in corporate finance. But having right. worked years, I sort of wondered what it was that made different people work differently, um, which led me to decide to do a master's in human resource management, because I felt mm. that would a name to the things that I had noticed in the way people worked. And certainly it gave a name to it, because when you've worked for many years and then you go and do a degree, it's different from when you haven't worked right. at all. Uh -huh. And right. it made me understand why some employers like MBA students who have worked before doing the MBA. I didn't work hmm. before doing the MBA. I went straight from youth corps, but I had worked for several years before deciding to do a master's in human resource management. So what was it like being a young woman in corporate Nigeria? Well, the, to be honest, in the bank that I worked, the MD at the time was a young, vibrant man, Ebitimi Banigo. And he recruited people like himself. And so it was a very exciting place to work. Um, right. Can't remember any occasion when being female affected my prospects in that bank. The only story that comes to mind was when I first joined corporate finance, because I was the first woman in corporate finance in that particular right. bank. Someone saw me once at the photocopying machine and asked me if I was a secretary because they couldn't <laughs> see that a woman would be in corporate finance. But in those days as well, in, in our particular uh, dep department in corporate finance, you had to do all your photocopying. The secretaries right. didn't do it. 
So whatever it was you were doing, you did the photocopying. There was, there was no case yeah. of assigning somebody to do it. And so that was what I was doing. I had done something and I wanted copies of it. And so I was at this copying machine. And I don't remember the man who walked up to me and said, oh, you're new. And I said, yes. And he said, um, are you a secretary? And I said, no, that I'm an analyst. <laughs> wow. So that, that, was, that was funny. And it's funny because I don't remember who it was who asked me that. I would have liked to remember. But I just sort of thought, what kind of question is that? You know, but it was one of those things. I didn't take, I didn't think anything of it at all. So, so I know that you, you serve on multiple boards, um, but I'd like to focus on WIMBIS. I know it was set up in 2001 and, and that you were a founding member and you sit on the board of trustees. So, so what led to the founding of WIMBIS? And, and what do you think over the last, I think, 19, 20 years um, has been um, its most impactful initiatives? WIMBIS is um, a success story of uh, gigantic proportions, to be honest. And um, you know the idea for WIMBIS actually came from a man. It actually came from a man, Chichi Okunja. And um, he who happens to... That's what I read. Yes. He, he went to South Africa for something and there happened to be a conference, a women's conference. And so he came back and spoke to his boss at the time, uh, Dr. Mobala Johnson. Um, and um, she sort of called her sister and said, oh, see, see this. And so they sat together, called another friend of theirs, Mori um, Desalu. So Yewande, um, Zacchaeus, Mori Desalu and Omobola Johnson sat together and said, who are the women um, we can invite to start this thing for women? Um, because there's no professional organization, support organization mm. for professional women. A lot of um, NGOs support disadvantaged people or for disadvantaged causes of a certain type, charity, so to speak. And so a um, right. group of us were, 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 were called together and we started and we just thought, okay, let the first thing we do be a conference. And it was, we didn't realize that, you know how things happen when they should. That was hmm. a defining moment when women wanted a voice. It had not been articulated loudly. So it just happened to be that we started it at the time when it was needed. And so the response was overwhelming. When WIMBIS was started, the intent was not for it to become a membership organization. But after that first conference, the feedback was such that hmm. women said, we need mentors. So our first activity, aside from the conference, was a mentorship workshop. And it was fully right. subscribed fully subscribed. So women now were finding themselves in organizations and wanting a way to navigate hmm. the landscape within those organizations. And they understood that they needed their hands held because they didn't know how to do it. It hadn't been done for many women. And so um, we also then started a mentoring program that was always very important right. to many young women. Um, over time, it was, we had more than the conference. We set up um, what we call the Breakfast and Policymakers Series, which is to engage top people in organizations to talk about issues that affect women and women's hmm. mobility upwards. And then we then started again another activity, WIMBOARD, to put women on boards, to train women, to get them board ready and then put them on right. boards. Um, you know, so we've been very organic. We've listened to 
what women have said, what their challenges were, what their challenges are. And we've always tried to respond with a program that helps to address those challenges. Having said that, we are mindful also that we cannot do everything. So what we call ourselves is a catalyst. So we are a catalyst to enable women and to provide some sort of support for women to become the best that they can be and to know they're not alone in in seeking to become the best that they can be because Mm -hmm. times have changed and there are more women in the workspace and there are very many female entrepreneurs. In fact, lots of women do small businesses and it's part of what is called the informal sector. So nobody knows the full impact of those women's businesses on the GDP and on the economy generally. Um, I should have said at the beginning, for the benefit of of our listeners who don't know what WIMBIS is, WIMBIS means Women in Management, Business and Public Service. And that's what the acronym WIMBIS means. So how far do you think we've come in Nigeria in terms of gender parity, the, the access to equal opportunities? Not very far. Not very far. Hmm. Um, there are some women who have done very well. But it is with the um, thinking of the majority of society, both men and women, more the men in the sense of what is a woman's place? Who determines anybody's place? It's a social construct. A social construct is something that society builds around. And how did it arise? In the days of uh, hunting, women, uh, men obviously are the stronger sex and women weaker in terms of physical strength. And so it made sense for the person with brawn to go to hunt and for the gentler sex, as it were, to stay at home and to cook what is brought back. It's a way of dividing the duties. So again, the idea of equality. Okay, so you go and hunt and bring the food. And when you come back, you can rest and I will cook and look after the family that you've left at home. But as society left the physicality, of doing things and went more into the intellect. A woman's intellect is not inferior to a man's intellect. It's not. Hmm. Men and women may think differently, but her intellect is not inferior and his intellect is not superior. And so we did not leave behind the construct for survival of that time as we then moved through the Industrial Revolution to the knowledge days that we're in now, the knowledge economy. And so it is important now for men in particular to leave that construct, that belief system, that mindset, those attitudes, and change the mindset to be more Hmm. sympathetic, if you like, to the times. It is also important for women to leave that mindset, the idea that they're meant to do nothing and just sit at home. And and also the idea, therefore, that their daughters-in-law should be less Mm -hmm. than their sons in marriage. Because you see, that's that's a two-sided story. If you want to be the best that you can be and you want your daughters to be the best that they can be, it therefore makes sense that you have to let your daughters-in-law be the best that they can be. 
whether a man or a woman. And so a man daughters to have a PhD and to be the, the executive director in his company with the view to becoming the managing director should also allow other people's daughters to do so. Right. That is where equality, that is what I call equality, that one. <laughs> you know, what is good for the, your own daughter is good for somebody else's daughter. Right, right. You see, and I think that kind of brings us back to, to what you were talking about. In this whole struggle for equal opportunities for women, there's been a lot of effort put into training the girl child, um, giving her skills to overcome the challenges. Um, but, you know, I've always wondered, what about, what about the men? What about the boys? You know, and I thought it was very interesting when you set up this foundation because there is so much focus. We have so many strong women. We have so many capable women. But, but I feel like that's only one side of the solution. Um, so, so if we can just talk to us a little about yeah. what led you to set up this foundation, Boys to Men Foundation, and what you aim to do with it. Okay. Now, um, perhaps because I'm involved with Wimbiz, hmm. I'm very conscious of the that women are making. Hmm. And so I suddenly found myself interacting with young men who didn't have the same sense of purpose as I had seen in the young women that I interact with. And I thought to myself, but this is not the aim of gender parity. The gender parity is about both sides being strong and therefore contributing to a stronger world. And I got very concerned. And the one I work with men and I work with women, the women seem to be more focused, more passionate, more willing to put in the extra. Hmm. That two plus two is the seven. And some of the men were doing two plus two is equal to three. I just thought this can't work. I just thought this can't work. This isn't the, the aim of it. And increasingly, I hear mothers telling me that their daughters are doing so well, but their sons seem to be lagging behind. And then they say to me that they think almost that the, the daughter's, their daughter's ability intimidates mm. their sons. Hmm. That's one side of it. The second side of it is that because we are in a patriarchal society, largely, particularly in Nigeria, in Africa, and perhaps in Asia, women are brought up to be emotionally and psychologically and mentally strong because there's a lot of hardship that women face in the world and they're not sure how they will fare in that difficult, hard world. So mothers in particular prepare mm. their daughters for a hard world. What this does is that it gives them a very strong mm. spine. The, the boys, on the other hand, it is assumed that because they're male, society will welcome them with open arms and doors will be opened to them. That doesn't happen anymore. It's a more competitive world. And so we are erring in raising our daughters mm. to be strong. And now girls are going to school as well. 
they're then also doing better than the girl than the boys in school because they're more focused and more determined because it's a man's world and they have more to prove they have that glass ceiling to break so they're working harder at it and so the boys think oh okay that we're men after all but the difference is beginning to show and the first the start of it all has to be in a change in mindset a change in attitude right. for all of us clearly the parents in how we raise our children so we have to pay attention to our male children in the same way that we pay attention to our female children but we teach we should teach our male children to be responsible and also to teach them that failure doesn't mean death it is a stage in life because women take failure better than men do. If a woman fails, she gets herself up and dusts herself up. She doesn't have the ego problem. And so she doesn't hide out that, oh, this has failed and therefore let her hide. She's not like that. And that is a disadvantage to men. And so it means that privilege becomes like an albatross mm. around your neck in today's world. You know, um, I think that the lives of men and women, that dynamic hmm. is very important in the world. Both have something important to offer. And when we offer it together, it's a better world. I'd like to read you a poem from, from a book I wrote about men um, that I think, in a way, tells us how they see things and how we see them and the importance of all of us changing our mindset to allow them to be human. So let me just read you the poem, if I may. Please, please. Called They Say. I want to shout, but make no sound. There is only silence, the silence of my anguish. For the words I cannot speak, men don't talk, they say. For the tears I cannot shed, men don't cry, they say. For the embrace I long for, not for men, they say. For the help I cannot seek, men are strong, they say. For the courage I lack, men are brave, they say. For the responsibilities I cannot shoulder, men must provide, they say. I am only human, imperfect, afraid, vulnerable, insecure. I want to shout loud and long, but make no sound. No one can hear. There is only silence, the silence of my anguish. For the silence I must endure, for the words I dare not speak, for the loneliness I feel, I am a man, they say. And this is what we've made of our boys and our men. And so when you're rigid, you break. Women are more flexible, and so they don't break. They will survive. If, somebody, if, if, if a woman's mother dies, she can throw herself on the ground without shame and roll on the ground and tear her hair and wail and shout. If it's a man, he stands strong, silent, receiving the visitors, not a teardrop. He might be able to escape to the bathroom to shed a tear or two, but those sobs that shake your body, he doesn't feel he's allowed. And so there's a pent-up anguish inside him that seeks release and is not released, it must have consequences for his mental health, his emotional health, and ultimately for his behavior, because it has to come out somehow. Wow. That's, that's quite deep. <laughs> that's, that's quite deep. Um, 
thank you for sharing that, Antifi. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you're talking, and there are two things that that kind of come to mind through all of this. It reminds me we're we're, we're in a very interesting time, both here in the U.S. and in in Nigeria. Um, in Nigeria, w- women are struggling against um, um, abuse and and all kinds of disadvantaged situations. In the U.S., you have black people fighting uh, systemic racism, and and there's this whole talk about privilege. And and you just mentioned that word as well. So so here they're asking um, non-black people, white people, to use their privilege. And and I wonder is there is there a, a conversation to be had around men being able to to use their privilege? I know that you're doing a lot of work to 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 uh, to help men articulate how they feel and understand that women are not a threat, but but they have opportunities. It's like your boss when you were at the bank, you know, who, who used his platform to, to engage people based on their skills and not their, their gender. Um, so is there a conversation around how they can use their privilege to make room? You know, is that a conversation we can have in Nigeria? It is an important conversation. Um, and as we talk, it's interesting that a man, the idea for Wimbis came from a man and that Boys to Men Foundation, my foundation, has been established by a woman. <laughs> so it means that we understand we're two sides of the same human right. coin. And therefore, it is important that each side understand that it is part of the other. There's a strong potential for impunity that's attached to privilege. And this is something, the poem I read was from my book about men, random poems, monologues, and and reflections. And I talk about privilege also in that book. And I say that um, being male, it bestows great privilege. Mm. And therefore, when you have privilege, you use it for the betterment of humanity, even outside of the gender equation, which means that a leader is obligated to do things for the betterment of the followers. In the same way, when you find yourself in a position of privilege, if you're better educated than others and therefore you have a better job and a better social standing, it is your obligation to help those who are not, who are more vulnerable. In the same way, men have great privilege just by the fact of their physical appearance. Bear that in mind. And so it is not because of anything he has done. It is simply of his physical attributes. And that kind of privilege is insulting to those who work, which means that when you have it, it's given right. to you on a platter. You have to do good things with it, which means that men have to drive the conversation for gender parity. Mm-hmm. As women are pushing it, men have to be seen to be taking actions to drive gender parity, to create the enabling environment. And this is why countries have quotas for different Mm -hmm. positions. That's why the quota system works. Where there is inequality, to use that word, or inequity, a quota system helps to bring out those who can do the work but who are not the privileged ones and to put them in position. It's like the Federal Character Commission in Nigeria. In order to take people from the states 
that are underrepresented to give them the opportunity also right. to shine. So privilege is something really, it should be treated like noblesse oblige, which means that, you know, you, 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 you are graced by birth, for example, and so help others who don't have that same grace. And that's how I look. So men are part of it. They have to be a part of it. And that is Boys to Men Foundation. Our work is to change mindsets, not just because of women, but so that men survive. Because there's a lot of toxic masculinity. And a lot of the time people use the expression toxic masculinity. They think it's only about when men rape women and beat women and are nasty to women. All of that is very toxic masculinity, but there's also the toxic masculinity that is related to the man who suffers depression, high blood pressure, has suicidal thoughts, ultimately commits suicide because he feels he has failed his family, because he feels he's not doing the things which he should do, that the role, he feels he's not playing fully and to a satisfactory extent, the role that society has given to him. And when a man decides that he cannot let his wife help him, that toxic masculinity is only driving him to a sure and certain heart attack. Because in this world, every man, every woman needs all the help they can get. We've talked about how men can use their privilege. Um, if we can go back to the boys. So this is now the, the real work of, of boys to men. How how we, we, we train a different generation of, of, of boys who are going to become men and how we change their mindsets. And what kinds of stuff do you guys do with, with boys, with young boys in, in Nigeria? Okay, let me just first of all say that Boys to Men Foundation is not only about boys. Boys to Men sure. is taken from the fact that there's a range of males from boys to men. So Boys to Men Foundation... Okay is about dealing with the range of males from boys to men. We have a number of programs. We, call, we have something that's called Becoming Your Best Self, which is for teenagers from 13 to 17. And it's a life skills program talking about the sorts of challenges that may face men, the sorts of things that happen in society in terms of gender, talks about the importance of character, the importance mm. of work, about saving money, the importance of saving money, the importance of wanting to succeed and to achieve. So we have a number of modules attached to it. It's generally speaking um, a one-day program that we run for, for them. We also have um, programs for different um, ages. We have one for graduates, Owning My Space, which means that right. you graduate you have to own the space you occupy in order to be everything that you can be within that space. It's also a life skills program, which we've run successfully. We have a program we called Talking Boys and Raising Good Men. And that one is more of a, a panel discussion. We invite people to talk about different subjects. We've talked about mental health, particularly addressing men because it would appear that a lot of men suffer mental health challenges and are unable to express themselves in the way that women can. Um, hmm. Talked about parenting, 
parenting boys in particular and the importance of some of the things that we've talked about today, uh, the importance of raising boys to be strong and not to make them feel, oh, I'm a boy, I can get away with anything. No, you can't. And if you're not taught at home, the world will teach you in a way that you don't like. And so those sorts of things. We have podcasts. We do podcasts. We have podcasts with two other men. And we just talk about topical issues. We also talk about things that relate to men and women, uh, men and endangered species, all those sorts of things. All these things are on our website, you know. Um, So so there are just so many. We have a mentoring um, uh, um, program and we collaborate with KPMG, they provide mentors for some of our mentees. Um, FSGH, the bank, also provides mentors for our mentees. And then we have independent mentors who mentor people as well. Um, and it's different ages. Everybody needs mentoring. A 40-year-old man could have a 30-something-year-old as, as his mentor, honestly, if, if, if necessary. It's not always about your mentor has to be older than you. Generally speaking, that's what we do. But there are a lot of young people, right. young men who are doing very well and can very well mentor people older than them who have not done as well. So for us, the mentoring thing is to try to, your mentor should be a sort of muse to help you address the things that are a challenge to your progress, to help you to see them and so that you can sort of break through and free yourself and become the best you can be and to help you in, in whatever other way that they are able to to become the best you that you can be, you know. So, um, so we have quite a variety of, um, of, 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 of programs. You know, the, the, the book I spoke about, about uh, male yeah. monologues, is something that I want to do something with um, because each monologue addresses a specific sort of um, viewpoint about men, whether good or bad, whether it's a challenge that men have or whether it's uh, it's the way that society views men. Sorry, what's the name of the book again? It's called About Men, Random Poems, Monologues and Reflections. So what led you to write this random musings about men, actually? Um, I realized that men don't really have a voice when it comes to the challenges they face. When a man beats his wife, very often his father beat his mother. Hmm and told him that this is how to put a woman in her place. And Mm. so he needs to, in order to stop beating his wife, he needs to address those on initial, the the initial mindset that he had or that he was brought up with. Mm. Men are also raped by men, by the way, in the world Mm. in which we live. Men rape women. Why do they rape women? Why? Why is the incidence of rape increasing? Why? You know, there's, there's, a, there's some research that we're trying to do, Boysman Foundation, into these issues. And some of the responses that people, men, give is that because they can, they're stronger. Or because who does she, she is? You know, these are really serious issues that have to be addressed. So when we're addressing it on the women's side, we have to address the mindset of a man who thinks it's okay. Because it's not. It's not okay. And so society has to address things also from the side of the men who do these things and who think it's okay to do it. But in the depth of their hearts, I suspect they know it's not okay. Because if you notice, people do these things in hiding. 
or when there are other people around who won't see. So once any human being has to hide to do something, it means that fundamentally in their hearts of hearts, in their heart of hearts, they know it's not right. So let us also address why men are doing this. And we should teach women, honestly, you know how those schools that you have a lot of in the States which teach women how to fight back? Hmm. Because there, there are many things to being a complete human being. And really the conversation we're having is, is about being a complete human being. Very often we think that conversations are around a particular topic. But when you enter into that conversation, into the ramifications of it, you find that at the heart of it, it is really about each person, each different person saying, see me, I matter too. And you need right. to pay attention to the things that matter to me and the, the, and the way you're hurting me. And so as human beings, addressing the psyche, this is a time for therapists, a time for psychoanalysts, a time for psychiatrists to address the human psyche in the individuals that they see in order to heal our world. It is the mm. time to look for something greater than ourselves, God. And it doesn't matter how much people may scoff at conversations around God. For me, without God, there is no anchor. And so the spiritual part, the idea that there's a God who requires you to be good, to love, helps you to direct the way you treat other people. Right. And so you can't walk away in any conversation from what I call the fundamentals of life. Hmm. That's very interesting. What, what would you see as progress in the next 10 years? What would you see? So we, it, when we started the conversation, I'd asked um, how far you think we've gone in, in gender parity. Um, and you said not far. So in the next 10 years, what do you think, what kind of things would you like to see in, in society that would make you think, okay, we've, we've, we've shifted the needle a little. What kinds of things do you think we we need to, to see. Okay. In, in the first place, I would like to see more women in top level positions. Um, right. Is that, for example, I think that any organization that has anything to do with admitting people or authorizing people should pay attention to organizations or corporate entities and the number of women they have on their board and in top management. So, for example, the Nigerian mm. Stock Exchange, I would, I would want a policy that requires all the quoted companies to have a minimum number of women on their boards. It will be a requirement. Mm. The Securities and Exchange Commission, if you want to put a company, if you want to have a company uh, uh, um, do anything that they would require that your board would have a certain number of women. Uh, the same thing. Um, and so that way you take care of the corporates. And in government, there's already a policy that there's supposed to be a certain number of women, 30% or something, which they are not, they haven't implemented. So I'd expect to see hmm. more people at the heads of government parastatals pushing for more women in positions and they themselves yeah. encouraging that. I would also expect that when I speak to young men, that they don't feel threatened by women. They don't sound as if, oh, a woman should know her place. What does that mean? 
it should be an expression that won't be heard. I don't expect to hear it again in the next several years. I expect the young men to be confident of who they are and to know that if they fall, they can get up and to see their wives as helpmates. I have a great wife. She supports me. I'm broke right now. She gave me money. And to be able to say it without shame or embarrassment and to laugh and, and, for, and, for, and for his wife to be happy that he's publicly acknowledging that she supports him because it's not a crime. And I want him all when he does well, not to be ashamed to put his house in his, in his wife's name and his, his own name, joint ownership. And, 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 and to be able to say, I'm going to leave property to my children, sons and daughters equally. It's not a crime. It's not a shame. In any event, I think our sons and daughters should be encouraged to work for, them, for, for themselves and achieve what they want to achieve and not be looking for what is going to be left behind by their parents. But I think that right. fathers talk about their daughters from a point of feeling that they too will have equal opportunities, that their sons will learn that language and also speak it with their wives and with their own daughters. And I think that mothers should teach their sons to cook and to clean so that that sense of wrong privilege is not there because it's killing our sons. It's killing our sons. It's making our daughters so strong that our sons are threatened and therefore weak. Hmm. And we don't want our sons weak. We want our sons strong. No. We want our daughters strong. We want the two of them to form a, a union for a strong world. That really, for me, is the sort of thing that I would like to see. I wrote a poem and I said, we can change anything. Our minds make what they will of circumstances. Our relationships constantly change in rhythms. Social constructs, man-made rules and rules order our lives. We get it wrong, striving to get it right. We can change everything. Let each male and female labor as one. Life, a shared cause. Let old mindsets holding sway give way. Roles defined by need, by circumstance, not by gender. A shared world change the only certainty. And so I'd like to see a changed world where roles are defined by need and by circumstance, not by gender. Thank you so much. My pleasure. That was Ifoma Idibwe, founder, Boys to Men Foundation. I'm excited about the great strides being taken by women in business, but also alive to the fact that so much more can be achieved if women had access to equal opportunities. I believe we need more male voices raised, not only in demanding gender parity, but also an end to violence against women, not only in Africa, but the world over. Thank you so much for listening. People have been asking how they can support the podcast. The best thing to do is to subscribe on iTunes or on Apple Podcast and get three friends to do the same. You can also write us a review to let us know how we're doing. I am Akego Okoye, and you have been listening to African Business Stories.